one person who asked me to have sex with my own fleshlight. Whoa. Like to like strap on a dick and have sex with my own fleshlight. And I was like, this is amazing. That's fantastic. And actually like, I've never, I've never enjoyed strap-ons before that because I was always so worried about hurting the person with my dick. Oh, right. Like I know, I know how much it hurts when you do the wrong thing with a flesh and blood penis where like you can feel what's going on. Yeah. Um, And I'm just like, I don't even know where to start with a strap on, but having sex with a fleshlight, that was cool. Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions shape our identity and our lives. I'm your host, Pam Schaefer, and our producer is Laura Studeris. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar Magazine. If you like what you hear, you can head over to our Patreon to support us directly and get transcripts of all of our episodes, or you can come hang out with us on your favorite social media platforms, where we can be found under WNB the podcast. This week, it was our utter delight to get to spend so much time with the absolutely amazing Stoya. I hope that you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Why Not Both, where we clearly both have echolalia. It's great. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Stoya. I am really weird. I am particularly weird today, and I I don't know why. Um, I maybe it's because I've already had two whole cups of coffee. <laughs> That's a bold move. I have I made a I made cold brew, which is the best coffee to make. Ooh, <laughs> put it in a thing, and then you forget about the thing, and then like a day later, when you remember that you want coffee, it's in the thing. Nice. It's genius. So I actually, um, you know, during the pandemic, I, I don't know if you have ADHD and what I'm about to, okay, great. Oh, yeah. So during the pandemic, I, um, first I was like, oh my God, I make a little bit of money on this one like live event every month. And I make a little bit of money on the like hard goods store, right? Like selling like, you know, like signed copies of my book and whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, with what was going on, obviously no live events. And at the beginning, I didn't even feel comfortable like going to the post office or sending someone to the post office. So it was like, ah, what am I going to do? And I set up an OnlyFans. And then that started doing like nicely, like nicely enough that I could buy wardrobe for it. Yes. Um, so what would happen is first through some combination of drinking too much and absent-mindedness, I would wake up the next morning and open my email and go like, oh, good taste. <laughs> yeah. Good taste yesterday, me. Um, and then I would archive the email. And then I'd get a shipping notice and I'd be like, ooh, 
I bought something from blank. What did I buy from blank? Um, And this would happen like every step of the way, right? Like the shipping business and then like the package arrives. And then, then I put it in the bag and I put it on the spreadsheet. So I don't forget that I have it and it's time to shoot it. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is really nice. Um, and it, it's not, it's not until I have the final pictures that I'm like able to recall this thing. Um, so it, it worked, it worked out like really well for me because it was just constantly pleasantly surprised. That is, this speaks to my heart. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is when people see the things that I'm wearing and like, cause there's a giant piano behind me it's very subtle that I'm a musician clearly um and so in like photos that I would take people would be like oh my god where did you get that dress and it was the same thing where it would be like some insomnia induced puffy sleeved fantasy that I would then completely forget and then I'd like it would sometimes either I'd get the shipping notice or it would arrive and I'd be like where did you come from you are so lovely. And then I was just like, is this from past me? Did me do this? <laughs> like, like, how exciting. <laughs> like, and it's the same thing, unless something is in my And like, I'm, yeah. really, I, I'm blessed to have friends in my life who sometimes send me presents. Uh-oh. And so then sometimes something arrives that I didn't buy. <laughs> And so I'm like searching my email and then like trying to figure out like who would have sent this to me. Yeah. A client sent me their book and they had said they were going to send me their book, but they write under an alias. And so their book arrived. And I definitely thought that there was some sort of like conspiracy afoot. Um, I was very confused because I did check like everywhere that I usually buy books and things like that. And I was like, nah legit never heard of this one and there was no like note in it like anything and finally after the holidays um I was talking to my clients again and my client who's a writer was just like oh did you get my book and so I like had like a quick like record skip moment then I was like yes (laughs) because all of a sudden it was like the pieces all fell into place I was like everything makes sense now (laughs) I was like okay Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, great. Awesome. Um, it's like, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you're talking about like starting an OnlyFans at the start of the everything. One of my good friends and artistic collaborators did the same thing where it's like she was working as an esthetician actually um, and then got very sick in like January, February, 2020. Um and she's an artist as well. And she, you know, got fired from her job. <laughs> Capitalism is great. Um, and so she was like, why don't I start an OnlyFans based on like some of the art that she does? And same thing, like she, she's a very successful creator on it. And it's so fascinating to me, though, that so many people got so mad about OnlyFans because they're like, oh, no, the people who are creating the things are getting the money. And I'm like, have you explored why you're mad about this? So, you know, one of my jobs, uh, it's actually like my main job, the job thing I do most now um, is the slate column, how to do it. It's sex advice. Um, I write it along with a delightful man named Rich Joswiak. And 
We've gotten a couple of questions from someone, either their partner or they were the person putting this restriction on their partner, um, didn't want, they were okay with porn use, but not direct interaction with the performer or signing up for their individual website. And the, the most recent one, which I remember more vividly, um, they had shared this opinion with friends and their friends were like, oh my God, that's so anti-feminist. And I'm like, okay, it's uh, and like the writer like wraps up with like, am I the jerk here? Yeah, like, like am I, on? yeah. And I'm like, well, it's you know, kind of uh, yes to both, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like all of the above. <laughs> yeah, or it's like, unfortunately, what you're okay with is the end of the industry that is exploitative in a like totally tragically normal like entertainment capitalism kind of way like yeah you always want to ground it and like you know and just like every other entertainment medium industry um but you know dancers to actors to musicians to graphic artists like they all get screwed with capitalism the majority of the time yeah um and it it can be the same in pornography and so it's like okay so you're okay with the studio system but you're not okay with like giving money you know it's the platform still takes their percentage right. but i believe only fans is 20 percent is fair um given yeah. what it costs to run a business that engages with adult content like yeah, yeah i think 20 percent is valid um yes but the performer gets like the vast majority of the money when it comes through a platform like OnlyFans. And so I'm like, okay, so like maybe though it's worth thinking about like why all the things you're okay with are only the ones that benefit the performers the least, right? Like, is there yeah. something up with that? I'm not saying there is, but I think it's worth examining, like, is there? Yeah, like examining it. I like also that you framed it in the context of other people who perform and arts and music and all of those things that it's like, I don't, I'm trying to figure out how to put it. It's like people sometimes get very disappointed, like that, that we're people and that like, I don't know how to put it other than that, that it's like that there's personhood along with the artistry and that that's somehow like hard for people to reconcile um, I don't know if I'm putting that well, but that's kind of what, like, what came to mind. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, it's like they think we all live in some beautiful kind of like magic realm <laughs> where mundane concerns are not a thing and we just like do our thing. Um, but in my experience, people largely expect me to be human. Um, this was not the case at the beginning of my career in pornography, but <laughs> over a decade of talking about your period on Twitter and <laughs> like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes. You know, um, so here we are. Um, 
And so I've had, I've had a different experience of that. I'm glad that you've had that experience because like you said, like there's this illusion that we all kind of like live on clouds and like eat emotions for dinner. Um, and, and then like when you have to recognize the humanity, particularly, I'm so curious about how people then interpret like when you have to take in the humanity of someone who you've related to sexually, but in like a parasocial way, because they're not actually interacting with you if they're witnessing you. Um, but it's like to do kind of those mental gymnastics of like, oh yes, I engaged with this person in this way. They don't know who I am, but I also have to acknowledge that they're a person separate from that, that realm. And I'm just like, hmm, yes, I am glad you pointed this out to this person that wrote in of like, maybe think about that. <laughs> Yeah, just like just like give it give it a once over mentally, <laughs> uh, some consideration, um, just like a little. Yeah. But it is, you know, um, people regardless of the kind of entertainment people sometimes get very spun up when individual creators are able to support themselves directly from their fan base yeah and there's and even I was noticing like on Twitter now and kind of like the NFT communities they've become like the shilling threads where people are just like posting their art that's like up for you know up for sale for NFTs and whatnot but it's weird that it's like people create those but then shame people for participating them part there participating in them and it's like so you created a thing so people could post what they're selling but then you shame people because they're selling something. And I'm like, okay, like which, which one is it? <laughs> like, which, yeah. which do you want? <laughs> and like, whether, whether people are on board with NFTs or not, it's more just like, why, why do we shame artists and content creators and writers and everybody? Like, why do we shame them for like being like, here's the thing that I'm offering you. You're not like forcing someone to buy it, but you're saying like, here's a, it's like you're putting your little market stall out. Like, here's the thing that I made. <laughs> you know, I'm better with an editor. So even writing, which most people think is a solitary practice, like the slate column, there's an editor <laughs> in charge who is selecting the questions. Ah. then yeah then there's an editor doing like my like copy editing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sometimes that's the same editor as the one selecting the questions but when it's a different editor my writing comes out differently what gets published yes. it's a little different and it's okay it's part of the process um and then also for the podcast um we have a podcast right now yes. we're hoping we're hoping to get a second season um it's called how to do it um it's put out by slate it's just like the column it's the column except us talking um that's delightful <laughs> thank you and we're really 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 hoping to get renewed for a second season um, so if you listen and you like it, hit that follow button. Fingers um, crossed. Yeah. <laughs> we have the numbers to show like, Hey, people like this. Um, I will like, and subscribe and tell all of my sex educator friends. Thank you. How did I get on that? 
Uh, we went through the journey of editors and how collaboration leads to different things. And then we got to right. podcast and now I just got hyped to listen to your podcast. Thank you, Austin. That was the goal. <laughs> so the podcast has a producer named Chow who also like puts their kind of like, you know, fingerprints on. So the podcast has like a slightly different tone than the column does. Um, And, you know, it's so, it's so collaborative. I think, yeah, people who don't produce media don't understand all the moving parts of it. So all they see is an artist or a figurehead at the end being like, here's the thing. Yeah. That's funny. I have, I have a podcast producer as well that like, I always joke that like I bring the chaos and like she brings the calendar. (laughs) (laughs) Nice alliteration. I like it. (laughs) Where it's like, what's my specialty? Talking to humans about everything. What's her specialty? Organizing when we release said talks, posting about it consistently, like making sure everything's in order, emailing correctly, like things like that, that just escape my brain entirely. She's like, have you emailed our guests this week? Like, have you scheduled things? I'm like, oh, bless you. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, the last time we recorded in the studio, I found an expert at like 9 p.m. the night before. (laughs) And then like Twitter DM'd them. And then in the morning was like, oh, they said yes. And it was like, ciao, there's this doctor. Here's her Twitter handle. Um, Let me see if I can get an email for her. (laughs) That was literally me. Like after I talked to Nadia and I love talking to her so much that I, I messaged Laura, the producer, and was just like, so I'm in love with Nadia and now I must talk to Stoya. And she just wrote back. She's like, are you in like a Dostoevsky story? Like, she's like, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> like, and I was like, we must find, we must find. And like, <laughs> so that was like literally <laughs> very similar process where like, I was just like, do I just like tweet at you? I just, how do I do this? And Laura's like, let me find her contact information. And I was like, yes contact information yeah. what a great thing to locate although sometimes <laughs> sometimes just tweeting at people does work right and it's actually like it's kind of got upsides so if I reach out to someone through email they're like oh Jessica Stoya who does these things that she says she does great um and if I reach out through Instagram, it's like, oh, who is this person? <laughs> um, so, you know, sometimes, sometimes the direct social media, like, it's like, oh, they've been a member of this website since this long and they have a platform that's this big and like, yes. you know, here are the links that they're promoting right now. Um, yeah. That's true. It does like, it kind of gives someone that little blip of like, oh, this is the piece of me that's on the internet that I would like to show you for this thing. Right. And like, you know, maybe not the most effective for like dating or like being a roommate, but (laughs) as far, as far as like, do I want to do this like public interview? Like that's all you need to know. Right. I love the very pragmatic, maybe not for dating. (laughs) 
was chatting with them. By the way, I keep like almost sneezing. The weather just changed like three times in LA. Like it was like hot and windy. Then it was cold and rainy. And today it appears to be just like neutral. But my, I just took a negative, I got a negative COVID result for my test this week. So I'm like, I know I'm not sick, but it's like my allergies are just like, ma'am, have you noticed that there's trees? That's it. That's the whole story. And so my nose is like, oh my gosh. I was like, oh, it's so itchy. Um, But like, I was talking to a friend of mine who I met during this whole shenanigan. Like, we had met on Instagram right before everything like shut down, a fellow musician that now we've been like pen pals basically in the same city for like two years now. And we were like, is this a normal, have other people done this? Cause at some point I think we just gave up on like meeting in person. And like recently we talked about like, maybe we should like try and do that at some point, but it's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if this happened to other people. I wonder if like dating or friendship norms have changed now that like you can kind of like start a friendship over a DM. <laughs> But like, then we couldn't meet. So I'm like, is it creepy? Is it normal? Do we all have like <laughs> secret pandemic pen pals now? Like, <laughs> I I, uh, my very dear friend, Justin and I, during lockdown, we would have these massive WhatsApp calls and we would like tag other people in. But the two of us spent like, five hours a day sometimes on the phone <clears throat> like wow. and like like doing other stuff yeah, right? yeah like yeah. on a phone call but like cleaning the litter box microwaving dinner eating dinner like we did like, <laughs> <laughs> like the whole thing the whole evening yeah, <laughs> like he, he and one of his friends would be talking about baseball and I'm like writing my column like Oh, I love that. It's like it's like you're in a co-working space almost, like a coffee house, but it's your house. Like a like a coffee house in a neighborhood that you've like lived in for 20 years and so has everyone else. And so you're like super intimate with each other. No, I love that you had like kind of like your own pandemic coffee shop like were you when the when everything started like were you alone like because yeah I was curious about that actually because we were talking about timelines and stuff I had a roommate um who I'd been living with for several years um so we were we were in lockdown together um now usually we were both in town for like a week, a month. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. So definitely like all day, every day, um, nonstop togetherness because to just circle back to that, like drinking more than was really, you know, advisable (laughs) and being, being on the phone with Justin for hours and hours, I started making up songs. Okay. That's amazing. I can't sing. That's perfectly fine. (laughs) I'm drunk, singing (laughs) off key at the top of my lungs, nonsense songs that are like vaguely based on well-known popular melodies. 
there's one called fuck hut to the tune of the star wars song what fuck hut the hut of the fucking the place of the mating the zone of the boat (laughs) (laughs) Uh, please make that the theme song for the podcast oh my god so okay um their like ad department reached out and they were like there's this company that we want to pitch you to they make um like bespoke songs it's like I don't know like 200 dollars or something yes and I'm really like I, I think I think about this like every day since I found out about it because I could have someone make like a sweet folk singer songwriter fuck hut with its own tune for um, the friend who inspired fuck hut. May uh, uh, may I offer my my humble services for this? <laughs> I'm like that's amazing. <laughs> I have a ukulele somewhere. Like I could make it happen. <laughs> I think awesome. It's, I, I just looked around my room and I'm like, where is it? And I was like, is it by the synths? And I was like, no, in, in total, it, <laughs> my camera's off, but so everyone's going to have to imagine this. Uh, my lavender ukulele is in fact on top of my toy piano. <laughs> so I'm just really dunking on myself right now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but yes. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I would love few things more than figuring out which obscure instrument to pick for fuck hunt. Amazing. Because <laughs> uh, we did, you know, for the first like three months, the lyrics were very free form. Yeah. And we had, we had like a group conversation about like which ones were the best. And then we settled on a final arrangement um, that then I, then I wrote out in cursive on a piece of paper. <laughs> and I made a penis tree to Excellent. fill the empty space at the bottom in the bottom corner. I love this. Yeah, it's it's really like that's this is this is what I did with my quarantine, right? Shakespeare wrote a play during quarantine, and I came up with lyrics and a stick figure drawing of a penis tree, <laughs> and it made me laugh, and I'm fine with that. Um, other things I did during quarantine, Justin, <gasps> Justin's a big part of my life. Oh, he was like, he was like, so you have a cameo account. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, uh, you know, Scott Steiner had a cameo account when they first launched the app. And I'm uh-huh. like, Scott Steiner, the wrestler. And he's like, <gasps> yes. And so I, I love professional wrestling. Oh my God. One of my friends had a pro West. I can't even talk pro wrestling themed wedding. There we go. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> like, it was, I didn't understand half of what was going on, but the enthusiasm and the theme songs like really made it. And the smoke machine, she came out with a smoke machine. That is incredible. I'm going to tell you <laughs> about this later. He's going to be like, how was your day? And I'm going to be like, the best interview. And he's going to be like, what's going to, what, what was so awesome? <laughs> Like, I have to tell you about this pro wrestling wedding. Um, I was like, once we're done, I will send you some of the photos because like she came out in like a black dress. So I think it was the Undertaker's theme. Like it was, it was, it was, a, I didn't understand it, but I respected it. <laughs> it's like, so awesome. 
maid of honor standing up there with a bouquet the size of my body, just being like, this is great. I am so enthused. (laughs) So long story short, Justin uh, wanted to get a Scott Steiner cameo for his friend, who is also my friend. And then Scott Steiner was on the app anymore. And Justin was sort of maybe hoping that I would possibly dress up as Scott Steiner and do like a short video for this friend of ours. This got very meta. Go on. Yeah. So I'm like, um, well, let's see. It's the middle of lockdown. Um, The mail is so clogged. Uh, I don't have any mustaches, much less a white goatee. I do have gray fabric, right? Because he wore like the like chain metal headdress. And I do have like gray net fabric that I can put on my head. Excellent. Um, and then I see my beige cat. Uh-oh. Yeah. So when you brush a cat. <gasps> yeah. So then you have these pads. It's like half wood mm-hmm. felted cat fur. And what I did have was eyelash glue. I see where this is going. Yeah. So I did. um, (laughs) Our friend had this like kind of yearly kind of spring party that he would throw. Uh And so I did Scott Steiner's math promo, but about how unlikely it was that his party was going to (laughs) happen. Um, and I am not Scott Steiner, so my numbers didn't actually add up correctly in the end, but I glued cat fur to my face with eyelash glue, (laughs) and I felt like that was significant enough. Um, it made made so many people laugh. It made you laugh just now. Um, and that's, (laughs) I, I didn't, I didn't get all that much done in quarantine, but I did do some weird things that made people laugh. That, <laughs> I'm just imagining all of this and like watching that mentally, like that thought process of just like looking at your cat and being like, yes, this is the way. <laughs> like we found it. I'm like, I would have loved to be around for that light bulb moment of like, I have sorted this out now. <laughs> I know the answer. <laughs> oh my god! And then, oh um, <laughs> then towards the end of the first year, Justin said that it really entertained him thinking of me interviewing this friend of ours for a potential job at my porn company. Mm -hmm. And so for Justin's birthday, I had that friend do like an improvised skit like that over Zoom and we sent him that. Oh my God. Yep. You know, I feel like I've been talking to so many people over this quarantine because sadly, I only have a a part-time cat. One of my neighbor's cats like comes by my place Um, and her name is Begonia and I love her dearly and she's just amazing. Um, But so far, I think I just didn't have enough proximity 
to her to realize that I could glue her, <laughs> her hair to my face. I was like, that's brilliant. Um, and so I was like, barring that, I realized like people were like, well, what have you been doing this time? And like, I've been talking to people about that. And I realized one of the main things I did was literally talk to people about what they were doing. Like that became one of my main things. And part of it was like, laughing with people about the absurdity of it and I think people underestimate the sheer power of that <laughs> like it's like oh no this is even better for me like I I don't have the attention span to like make a sourdough that seems like a lot of commitment but like <laughs> <laughs> but like laughing with people who create other things or don't create things or just like are like I don't know I'm currently a potato or are like yeah I went to frolic outside like that to me I'm like yes that that is a worthy way to spend one's time. And then getting to share that conversation with people. I'm like, the fact that people listen to these conversations, I'm like, oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And <laughs> like... so, so then, you know, OnlyFans, one of the things that's like typical for adult creators is custom videos. And I'm like, okay, I'm open to custom videos but it has to be something that's like creatively inspiring to me, right? Like yes. I'm not, I'm not going to masturbate, masturbate wearing, you don't care what with mascara on, but not too much makeup while telling you to jerk off and saying your name. Right. Like that's just not, I'm not, no, no. Um, but then like there was, there was one person who asked me, to have sex with my own fleshlight whoa like to like strap on a dick and have sex with my own fleshlight and I was like this is amazing that's fantastic and actually like I've never I've never enjoyed strap-ons before that because I was always so worried about hurting the person with my dick oh right like I know I know how much it hurts when you do the wrong thing yeah. with a flesh and blood penis where like you can feel what's going on yeah. Um, yeah and I'm just like I don't even know where to start with the strap on but having sex with a fleshlight that was cool that oh my god I was like there's so many like my brain just went off in like fireworks I was just like that's fascinating like just psychologically because that's I'm like oh my god that's the closest you could get right now to like having sex with yourself but it's through all these different modalities oh my god um good job on that person for thinking of that and I'm like yeah what? and then I was thinking about I was just like I was like oh yeah strap-on technique is like really a whole thing most of it is letting the other person actually like move with you because I, I have the same fear where it's like I don't want to like if I can't feel what I'm doing I don't want to hurt someone mm -hmm. um and so whenever I watch videos of people just like going bonkers with a strap on I'm like uh, okay uh, I I wouldn't do that that's like the monster truck rally I that maybe that is how I drive <laughs> like, <I'd> be, <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe I would use cruise control yes <laughs> because <laughs> so, I'm very similar where I'm just like I would rather someone else kind of like either control the motion or like like kind of you know like gesture to me of how to move because of the exact same thing I'm like I can't feel what's going on I there's no nerve endings in that so I'm like I, I mm -hmm. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. Um, but definitely like having sex with an inanimate object and then the layers that you pointed out. And um, it was also like, there was something. So I I went with um, a clear fleshlight, fleshlight ice. Um, and it was also just like very erotic in a super subtle way to see the harder material squishing through the less dense material wow um, yeah so there, there was a lot going on and I was like this is amazing um, wow <laughs> like that was like that was great um or like um I think this was the same person they asked me to eat a typical lunch topless wearing a uh wearing a mustache who is this can we just shout out to how rad this person is like just in general I'm like yeah they're you know what they're awesome and I actually like sitting here now I'm thinking about reaching out to them and being like hey like would you like to like direct a photo shoot or something like do you have do you have any ideas that you would be willing to contribute for public consumption that is um, so cool yeah like what you had said before about collaboration even when you have like a different editor on your writing a different editors you know like take on the podcast it kind of sounds like that where I'm like this person has such a fascinating take on like what to create I'm like whoa yeah it's really cool um or like there was this woman who was I think she said she was in her like 70s or 80s and because of social pressure when she was like first out as a sexual person in the world she didn't act on her attractions towards women Mm. and now at her age she feels like she missed the boat and she wanted me to act out a few scenarios as like what if kind of situations um so like uh like meeting picking someone up at a club um which is like yeah at 70 you're probably not going to a dance club and picking people up like that's that's probably not where other people that are like within the span of decades that you want to have sex with that want to have sex with you are like hanging out a mass you're not really doing like hookup culture in the same environment Um, right from what I hear some people do hookup culture at the assisted living and nursing homes um but it's it's different it's a different venue um (laughs) (laughs) yeah different yep I was just like good on good on everyone for that but I'm also like that would be a completely different like social norm yes yeah no completely different and I wouldn't know how to enact that yeah but like oh you're chatting me up at the club and I'm vaping like that that I can do I've done that um so that that was super fun for me I've had people um request like kind of like soothing like 
you know, soothing vocal tracks for like, you know, like your breathing and mm. you're existing in your body and you're checking in with these different parts and you're relaxing them. Um, and that's, that's like, that's cool stuff that is creative work. Yeah. Right. Like it's, um, you know, my, my work in mainstream adult films with digital playground was work. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure if it was super creative. Yeah. Um, and then around the world in 80 ways, my porn series, um, that was creative but like if I'm being honest with myself it was entirely fun for me (laughs) right like the the paperwork is the work um the dealing with monetizing it after the fact is the work but like the actual scenes like that was just like me having a blast um right and the paperwork and the monetization is not creative labor um right I'm so glad, by the way, that you just said that it's you having a blast because that's, that was honestly, I remember when I discovered your work, that that's what resonated with me was that I was just like, oh, I relate to this person. They're having a great time. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. Cause like any other time that I'd been consuming like adult media, I couldn't like interpolate myself really into any of the roles or the people that I saw. Okay. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like I could, I could see how maybe someone would dig this. It's almost like if you're reading a novel and you like kind of want to, you know, kind of be the protagonist, you want to self-insert into the story. It's like the same kind of thing where I'm like, oh, I want to relate. And like seeing you enjoy yourself. I was just like, oh, I was like, that's how I, oh, that's how I am too. I was just like, oh, cool. Like I don't watch more. Like it made me like so curious about it in a way that like other people's media hadn't. And I was like, hmm. A, Gianna Michaels is a performer who was prolific in like the late 2000s, early 2010s. And she is so upbeat and thrilled by what she's doing. And she has this awesome giggle that's like infectious. Um, so I would say do check out her work as well. I was like nodding. I'm like, mm, yes. Gianna yeah. Michaels, you said is her name? Gianna Michaels. Yes. Gianna Michaels. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She's got this like incredibly curvy, lush body, but it's her personality and her smile and her laugh are so incredible. Oh, that sounds awesome. Cause yeah, that's, that's what I'm drawn to is like seeing someone's it's the same, whether I'm watching like porn or a movie or literally anything, if I'm not like drawn in by like, like the, the person part of someone, like I'm, it, it's just not super interesting to me, I guess. Yeah. But the the OnlyFans customs that I do take, it's interesting because it's creative and labor. Yeah. That's, I'm thinking about like the distinction of that in my mind where it's like, what popped in my head was almost like the work of relationships, weirdly, where it's like, people are like, oh, relationships are a lot of work. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is effort. It is like, you know, in the physics sense, like work, it is energy but it's not always necessarily bad energy. (laughs) Like, yes, you are dedicating energy, but it's not always bad. It's like, there are bad parts, like the paperwork. Um, 
But I think that it, you know, even if it is creative and it's fulfilling, it does, it takes a lot of energy to make things like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's why I'm selective about the ones that I take. Like if I'm like, it doesn't work for me and I'm like, it's not, it's not worth doing. Um, yeah. It would be like writing. I don't know <laughs> what popped in my brain is also like writing music that you're not into. I don't know if you know a lot of musicians, but like there's a few that work in like, um, like sync licensing where all they do is like they write music like for commercials and things like that. And I'm sure that for some that actually is the music that like speaks to their heart, but like there's a lot of people that it, it just doesn't, they just happen to be good at writing music. And so they're like, Oh, I'll just write this stuff for money. And then they get sucked in. <laughs> they're like, they're they're like the the sad downtrodden lawyers of the music industry <laughs> like they're oh, no. like, <laughs> they're, they're just Aww. angry people playing glockenspiels <laughs> like, oh that's awful <laughs> no it's just like it sounds like that where if you take on stuff that isn't like since it does require so much work it's like if it's something that you're not actually like super into you just get angry at the thing you're doing yeah, no, and like being angry at it when you're logging in once a day, Monday through Friday to respond to like private messages. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oof, yeah. <laughs> How do you manage kind of like the influx, I guess in a way, like the influx of attention and communication because you are in so many spheres and that's a lot of like incoming energy to to reckon with yeah um you know if someone is a lot for me on OnlyFans I will communicate that to them amazing and I've only had to refund and block someone like three times in almost two years um and with Twitter and Instagram, I scan for work stuff and social stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't often respond to private messages there mm -hmm. um, because I'm trying to upsell the OnlyFans and also just like charging reduces the volume. Yes. Um, Cause it's not, it's not, it's not like someone wants to like ask their question and then move on with their life. Usually like right. sometimes, sometimes with the slate column, I get people who want me to know about something. Mm. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's an interesting angle or thank you for that resource or whatever it is. And they're like, yeah, no problem. Love the show. Have a great week. Right. Um, but usually, usually people want to have lengthy chats over a period of like, you know, probably years if it could happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, on OnlyFans, it certainly has. Um, and so that that would like build up really quickly mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have time to do other stuff um, yeah yeah and at Slate there's an editor who goes through the questions and chooses them um the the zero spaces admin um 
my co-founder goes in and like lets me know if there's a message I need to respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like my head was spinning thinking of all the ways that like people could kind of like like reach you. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's like, but when people form that kind of relationship with you through your media, there are a lot of people that then like would want to reach out to you. And in some ways, I was thinking a lot about parasocial relationships over this time, because it's like when we form an attachment to someone, it's like, we want it to go both ways. Um, But for instance, like you don't, there's no way you would have the capacity even for it to go both ways with all the people who have interacted with everything that you've put in the world. And it's like, so there's that, there's like the time constraint. And there's also like the misunderstanding of like, oh, this person might want you to hold something for them either emotionally or intellectually or whatever, that it's like, you haven't consented to that. It's like, I don't know. I sometimes get emails and notes from people that are just like very personal. And like, I'm honored that people send me these things, but I also am sometimes like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I, um, I definitely, so the column is an appropriate place to dump emotional complication yes um twitter is not the best place to dump emotional complication um instagram dms also not the best place um and so i i set a boundary and direct them to the column yes and it is hard because you want to help. Yeah. Right. So for me, I have this kind of like, you know, exit card where I'm like, go to this place where I can help you. Uh, (laughs) And then, you know, once they've gone there, if it's like, well, I need to talk to an expert, I can be like, hello, Jessica Stoy from Slate. I'm writing you because of ABC. Do you have time to give me some insight for this letter writer? Um, And then I'm able to like, actually be of some help yeah um but otherwise like it's it's really uncomfortable but I end up having to tell people like I I think you should talk to a professional you sound like you're struggling with this yeah. And I don't have the resources to like help you in any significant way. Yeah. Um, Cause people like it's so first I was like, hello world. I am a porn performer. Yes. And they were like, we have these questions about sex. And I was like, great. I see your questions about sex um, and porn. And I will do this advice column thing. And they were like, oh, cool. Sex advice column. Um, here's this stuff about relationships. <laughs> and then then with, uh, with Slate, some of the questions have been like, you know, I hate my husband, but the only thing I have to leave my children is my half of the shared property that we have. If I divorce him, I won't have anything to leave them. How much do I owe my children? And I'm like, how does this have anything to do with my expertise? 
Um, right. You're like, that's very distressing. I also am not sure how to help you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so experts are great, um, but people expect me now to be able to help things that like really require a clinician who's been mentored as they learn how to practice right like the all of these all these steps of the process of becoming a mental health therapist um they're they're really important (laughs) yes (laughs) like you and I it's like okay I can like be accepting and a space for you to say things and like friendly but past a certain point like you need this kind of person who has this skill set so I am thrilled that you said that because I sometimes feel like Hannah Montana um because my job when I'm not doing this is I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist who now has a group practice because like no one's been doing so hot the last few years so like I've been training other therapists to do what I do (laughs) Um, and what you said is so spot on that it's like when you refer to someone like like one of us, it's because we've gone through literally years of training to help you with those problems. <laughs> like there's there's a reason. And so like I love when, you know, I talk to other people that they're just like, oh, I really want to help this person. What should I do? And I'm like, oh, refer them to a specialist in that. And like people who do therapy, like people have different specialties, even within like the mental health field. So like, if someone comes to you with something like that, it's like, oh, refer them to like a relationship specialist or someone who counsels with like divorce and separation or things like that. And it's like, there's resources out there for that. And it's so fascinating to me that it's like people go to the people that they seek this emotional connection with through like through porn and music and entertainment. It makes sense. It's like, those are the people that you emotionally resonate with. So you're like, oh, maybe they can help me with this. I'm an emotional pain. I'm um, like, I'm like this like reverse gateway drug. <laughs> um, so like, oh, you've seen me have vigorous anal sex in a mainstream gonzo porn. Therefore, you think I know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to go ask these people who are like part of a sect. Yes. And like, look like just like normal human professor people. (laughs) And now, now we're all going to learn something and it's awesome. Um, Oh, it's so funny. We're we're all going to do a big learn together. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, that's popped <laughs> to my head. I was just like, you never know who might be a sex therapist. <laughs> they they look like normal people walking amongst us. <laughs> yeah. No, um so earlier when I said you and I don't have the skills, what I would accurate would have been I don't have the skills. Um, <laughs> you do have the skills, but part of you having the skills is knowing when it's time to send them to someone else Bingo. who knows more about the particular thing. Bingo. Yeah. Cuz like you and I have an overlapping skill set in like, you know, in entertainment and podcasting and like kind of that like it's interesting because even when you were saying that I realized that it's like people will sometimes come to me through my media asking about mental health stuff and then I'll redirect them to my mental health stuff and they're like oh what (laughs) 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 
I love surprise. <laughs> this thing too. But like people in mental health, then if I reveal that I like do music and podcasting, they're just confused. Like they literally are just like, I, okay. <laughs> like, my, uh, my former therapist, um, he's great. It's just, I moved. Um, yes. But he is a musician and like shared that in session like there were like guitars on the inside of his office um mm-hmm. and for me that helped him feel like a person Aww. and I think that's part of why people are more comfortable right so like like with with pirating porn it's like well, why do people pirate porn well porn generally online had like really shady billing practices yeah. for a while so now people don't want to use their credit card in a porn site, understandable. So the mental health um, profession was so like cold and distanced and judgmental. Yeah. Especially like homosexuality used to be in the DSM as a disorder exactly. until like alarmingly recently. Yes. <laughs> yes. So people feel a lot more comfortable coming to a podcaster or a porn performer because I am not the only porn performer that people bring their like sex stuff to yeah Um, yeah like it's like a lot of us um they feel more comfortable than they do going to an office and like I didn't feel super comfortable being in the office with the therapist until this music thing and then like oh like you're like a person (laughs) okay great Um, fascinating that you say that because one yeah there's so much there's even still so much like sex negativity and therapy and things that I encounter like I didn't I kind of just fell ass backwards into my specialty like I work with people who are in like ethically non-monogamous situations and kink um neurodiverse like I basically was like who are my communities who's underserved but I didn't realize just how dramatically underserved they were nor like the stigma against a lot of it in the therapy world um, and that's why I'm like literally training like a cadre of therapists to be like, yes, go forth, help, help the people. Um, but like, I also didn't realize like that it was such like a sterile world in a way, like you said, where it's like, it's unapproachable if you don't see the person helping you as a fellow human. And of course, like in therapy session, it's not about like my stuff, like it's about my client's stuff, but yeah. what helps them bring their stuff to me is to know that they're not just bringing it to like like some sort of void like it's like (laughs) they're bringing it to to a person um and like that's so interesting what you said like I have um I work with a lot of people um in the sex work industry I work through a nonprofit called pineapple which I love (gasps) yeah amazing yes pineapple is rad I I fundraise for them like every February so I'm like oh it's coming up next month um, where it's like, they provide a sliding scale mental health services to people in the sex work industry. And I'm just like, yes, we love this. Um, and several of my clients have spoken to that, that it's like, they've been like, yeah, people come to them with their really personal stuff. And I'm like, is it, and I always, I'm, I'm like, so curious, like you said, where it's like, where's the switch over from like, I've seen you do something like very, very intimately sexual, but not with me to then like, okay, now I want to share my emotional stuff with you. Like you can help me with my problems. Yeah. And it's, you know, but on the other hand, I get it. And 
if a person has tried to access mental health services in the past and had bad experiences. Yes. And I'm the only place that feels safe. Like, okay, cool. But then I'm going to do my best to get you to be open to other avenues that can provide more support. Um, Yes. And it's, you know, with the advice column, like one of the criticisms and it's a criticism of all advice columns is like, ah, the answer is always therapy. And I'm like, (laughs) but like actually therapy for everyone is great. (laughs) Yes. I, I mean, I know I'm biased, um, but like, I see it as a great part of like the landscape of being a human. Like I find it interesting when people are like, oh, like hiking is my therapy. And I'm like, I love hiking, but hiking is hiking and like therapy is therapy. And it's like, both of them are valuable, but they're two different things. And the, the kind of self insight that you get doing introspection with another person who is there to do that and trained to help you do that. Yes. Um, I think makes it a lot easier to be like chill about being human. I love how you put that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's going to be my new goal with clients. Cause I always, I get so excited. Like a few of my clients just like, kind of like graduated from therapy in a way it's like, you know, some of them are on like maintenance mode where it's like, they know I'm there if they need to message me, like, you know, and usually I would say like, I'll get a message like every few months, just like a check-in kind of thing. But it's like, I get really excited I mean, it's sad to not get to talk to someone anymore because I care about my clients, but I get so excited when they like fly the nest because I know that they have like their skill set and they feel comfortable and they feel confident. And it's like, yeah, they feel chill to be a human. <laughs> I'm like, great, go fly, fly forth. Like, go, <laughs> go do your things. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're in the middle of like my actual worst nightmare which is uh, poorly handled by government, um, highly communicable disease that we can't get ahead of. Yeah. Uh, in a country with a stacked Republican Supreme Court that's like pretty close to or already has said, um, screw the right to abortion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like... <laughs> nightmare mode you know things things are not okay right I am I get stressed I I get frazzled um I'm I'm not like okay with the situation but I'm sleeping all right I'm able to contain my emotions when I need to like all of these things yes in all of this mess because I spent a few years in therapy. Right. And it's, yeah. you know, seeing, seeing the reports about like the therapists being like, you know, there's more demand than they can keep up with. And on the one hand, it's like, all right, that's a sign that like everyone's freaking out. Yes. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, great. Like people are turning to the thing that can probably help. 
That's exactly how I feel, which is like how I went from at the start of 2020 to being like, oh, maybe I'll supervise like one associate. It would be so nice to train another therapist and like in my in my lane of specialty to I just interviewed like a seventh person (laughs) for the practice yesterday. And like I hired one of my friends who's a social worker as like a fellow supervisor and like he has cases now, too. And it's like it's exactly that where it's like it made me it made me feel like guilty, grateful that like, I was able to do something to help. And it's also like been a very, like, I've been, I've had the privilege of being safe and being prosperous during a time of extraordinary upheaval. But on the other hand, it's like the reason why I'm prospering is because I'm providing a service that people need and I'm training more people to do that. So it's like this weird thing of like, I'm like, am I exploiting people? I was like, no, I'm helping people, but also like, I'm doing really well. And a lot of people are doing really badly. And so it's like, it's this weird dynamism but I like what you pointed to which is like the systemic failure which it's like and I I talk to my clients about this a lot where it's like if people are anxious right now or people are upset like that that's actually a reasonable reaction like that, that is a reasonable reaction to what is going on that is not something that we can like necessarily ameliorate in individual therapy because it's a systemic problem you are reacting appropriately to a systemic failure like that we you can't fix that by being like let's do some breathing exercises like you just can't and it's like (laughs) yeah and it's like the the breathing exercises actually will help yes (laughs) if you're too stressed for too long in a situation that you literally cannot remove yourself from yeah you may begin to start doing something that we can call freaking the fuck out Yes, clinically (laughs) dissociating or like what, you know, all of these things where you're losing your grip on reality or yourself. Yes. And breathing, like, especially if you've like been practicing when you don't need it. Yes. Oh, it is mentioning that. Bless you. Keep going. It is pretty helpful. Like, and like doing something like yoga, um, and like, I, I try to stay away from the culturally, like the like blatantly yeah. culturally appropriative stuff. No um, girl boss yoga. Yeah, no, I'm not like my yoga mat is like a vague mountainscape. It's not like a mandala. Um, <laughs> Mine's just blue. I want a gray because I'm goth and the only gray one was mountains. <laughs> I wanted a black one because same, but then I was just like, will it show sweat? Will it show schmutz on it? Like, how do I? And so the one I got was like this, like kind of cerulean blue that I was just like, then I'll see if there's stuff on it so I can clean it off. Like, Nice. Nice. Um, But like, it's not like you can't, you can't be like, oh my God, everything is a nightmare for the past two years. And today, three bad things happened, and so I'm going to do a pigeon pose and take <laughs> deep breaths. Like that's not—it's not the time to begin that practice. No, no. And I encourage everybody that it's like literally all we're doing is we're managing, like you said, like managing our emotional state to recognize yes, the system is borked, and then it's like great. Well, if we can get kind of ourselves and our direct community in order and support the people around us then how do we change this? Cause this is clearly broken. Like, let's just make something else. But in order to have the energy to make something else in the midst of like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, take care of yourself, do the introspection, like work on your stuff, 
help the people directly around you and like build from there. <laughs> Cause it's like, okay, you got to start somewhere. It's like <laughs> everything around us. I'm like, I, yeah, yeah. I have a question that might be like a tough, difficult one. Sure. When someone comes to me and puts more than I can handle for whatever reason on me, and I try to direct them to an appropriate resource and they won't take that direction. Um, what's like the ideal way to handle resetting that boundary, right? Because I, I can just be like refund block, um, block from all P addresses. Like it's easy to just shut it down. Yeah. But I feel like there might be a potentially useful way to respond to that that could at least like not make it worse and maybe right. help a little bit um that's a really good question what came to mind was like reframing that you're doing that because of care for them that it's like because you don't have the resource but you care about helping them and like like make it about them essentially mm. like, I can see how much pain you're in I really wish I could help you I don't have the resource and I really want you to be able to get help. Here's like these, you know, these resources that I trust. Here's the things that I like that help. Here's, you know, like, since I can't help you directly, like you can get help from me through these people, like kind of make it about like, because you care about them getting help, that it's like, they can talk to these people because you're like, I I'm DQing myself because like, I can't help you, but I want you to receive this. <laughs> like, like, just like I'm not an electrician. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to burn the house down. Oh my God. Yeah. Even I've had to do that with like people that come to come to me with things that are outside my wheelhouse, like in my practice, or even like, I have had that occasionally in like, um, artistic spheres as well where like someone really wanted me to sing like a top line on their song. Cause they're like, I love your voice. It's so ethereal. But like what they wrote was not, it wasn't ethereal and it was clear. It, it just was outside of what I'm good at singing, frankly. And like, I, I practiced it a few times. I was like, you know, I was like, I really appreciate this, but I want to serve your song. So like, let me recommend you to other people <laughs> who like would do this better than me. And like, same thing in my practice. And I've only had one person that like, literally like angrily messaged me that I wouldn't help them. But what they wanted was like a specific dialectical behavioral therapy modality, which like, I do have the DBT workbook. I've gone through some of the interventions with people, but it's like what they wanted was like a, a program. And I was like, that's wonderful. I'm so glad you're seeking that out. I don't offer that. Here's people who do. I think that if that is what you're, what's really calling to you, I think it would really help you. And they were like mad that I wouldn't do it after they did a consult with me. They're like, but I like talking to you. And I was like, I liked talking to you too. I still don't have this skill set. You're still not an entire DBT program, which I think also involves groups. Yes. And like... <laughs> I was like, I was like, that happens to not be me. And it's like, I've only had one person be upset um, with that. But normally if you, if you frame it as like that, it's about them and your care for them and that you recognize that they're in pain. Like most people are like, oh, this person gets me. Um, and they want to give me this other nice thing. Okay. Like most, most people go along with that. Um, I mean, some people just get very attached and that's, that's on them and it's sad. Um, but it's like, you know, that's the best you can do is like, <laughs> be like, I care about you, which is why I'm actually directing you to someone else. It's because awesome. of my care. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. 
Um, <laughs> I feel like there's like, so I've, I've reached out to a few journalists about how to process secondary trauma. Ooh. And there's this awesome, um, awesome doctor of, I'm not sure what, named Zara Stardust, who was, and I believe still is to some extent, a sex worker Mm -hmm. um in either Australia or New Zealand Mm -hmm. um and she's doing an anthology of sex workers on sex education whoa I'm gonna I'm gonna take my phone out of the drawer so I can (laughs) name I I literally looked up I was like where did I put my phone and then I was like oh my desk like a weirdo Uh, (laughs) the buzzing Uh, so Zara is doing this anthology and asked me to submit and I wrote about like trying to get sex educator education um, because of my journey to becoming a sex advice columnist yeah and um, one of the things that came up when I was writing that is I went through the New York State Peer Specialist Program courses. Ooh. Um, it's a, even if you do know, I'll explain for listeners. Yes, um, so it's a program that comes out of the disability rights movement, Nothing About Us Without Us, mm. and trains people who've been through their own mental health recovery um, to be part of the programs that people accessing mental health services are accessing. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah. So first of all, um, I learned some really awesome stuff about activism and disability rights. And then, um, I ended up taking these classes from anti-up which mm-hmm. um, they're like ASAC approved. Um, and one of the classes, two of the classes were in disability justice. So mm-hmm. I got to see like where that went, right? Mm-hmm. What disability rights spawned. Um, but also they had stuff about like supportive questions and active listening and neutral framing of what's happening. Um, And it was, I think, you know, the anti-up classes were fascinating and have given me some like great talking points Yeah, and been like useful in the column, but the peer specialist program, I think was really helpful for the OnlyFans, like back and forth with people. Yeah. And I'm kind of like slowly cobbling together from like journalists and therapists, like how, how you like manage that. Um, But it it can be really wild and we don't have the skill set. And from what I understand, like a lot of like how to handle people you don't really learn as a therapist until you're like beginning to practice and under supervision. Yeah. That's, it's especially, it's fascinating that you say that because one, I'm so glad that those courses exist and that you spoke about them. And two, like, 
you're right. Like in grad school, what we learn is kind of like a lot of theory, which is great. Um, and there are like more experiential courses. Like I was glad that the program I did, we had like experiential courses for like individual and group therapy and things like that. And then you do start your trainee hours, um, like for my license for MFT, you start them while you're in school. And then for social work you do, but they don't count towards your license, which I always thought was weird. Um, and then psychologist, same thing. Like you, you start your hours while you're in grad school and then you continue clinical hours and you write your thesis. Um, and it's like, when you're doing your clinical hours though, I wouldn't say theory like flies out the window, but it's almost like, it reminded me of when I learned music theory where it's like, oh, cool. There's like, there's words for the things that I kind of intuitively know exist. I'm like, great, how exciting. Um, but then when you're actually playing music, you're not thinking of theory nonstop, you're playing music. And then if you go back and analyze it, you can see how the theory applied. And that's kind of what happens like in supervision where it's like, okay, you learned the theories, you've learned all these different techniques, you've learned all these interventions, but then when you're actually in the room with a client, it's very rare that you're thinking like, which intervention shall I use next? Like you're relating to the person that's in the room <laughs> like, and being like, okay, I'm going to follow their lead. And sure, like you are going to like lean on those skills, but it's usually only in retrospect or like say at the end of session, like there are clients that do really like to like have like take home things that they can do. And it's like, I'll look through my notes of what we talked about and be like, hey, here's how you can focus on like this part of the goal. Try this thing this week. It's only when you kind of like glance back that you see the theory. Um, because if you're thinking about theory the whole time, you're not going to be like present for the person you're sitting with. Um, and it's, yeah, it's very interesting that that really is when you start. And that's why, I mean, like to get licensed, I had to get 3000 hours of clinical work. And so like, by the time you're done with that, like you've sat in a room with people for 3000 hours, <laughs> like, you're either like, I never want to do this again. And I want to live in a cave, um, or <laughs> <laughs> which mad respect to people who sometimes decide that I've definitely met people that are like I finished my hours I didn't even take the exam I decided this was like not for me and I'm like cool <laughs> I respect that <laughs> like, there's I feel like there must be some basic condensed highlights that could be useful for cam performers and like fan interaction site um, performers. I would love to make that like working, working with the population that I do. It's like, I totally agree. Cause especially you said secondhand trauma and that's, I mean, we're all going through like collective trauma right now. And so then when you're then holding the trauma that maybe someone has handed you because they trust you, um, it's a lot. Yeah. I think, um, I think it would help reduce issues among the sex worker population. Yeah. Um, they kind of like nip them in the bud sometimes. Yeah. And I do not have the energy to like spearhead or really it's, I'm never good at organizing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is, that is my uh, lack of ability here. Um, but if there's anything I'm actually capable of that I can do to support, um, 
like there's there's a couple of conversations that I've had with like um the someone who does something with some journalism department at Columbia sent me um the journalist guidelines for reporting on trauma which oh, wow. spoke, spoke a bit about managing that um, yeah as well and so like that would be like a useful thing I think to like draw inspiration from as well I would um, love to I would love to read that like I was thinking about it in terms of when you said that in early quarantine I was like, I love that your experience was like eyelash gluing cat hair to your face. Um, my experience was that I, I co-work often with like a group of my friends and we had all been, you know, together, like co-working like every, you know, a few days a week, not constantly, but it's like, we were always at each other's house. And unfortunately they had bed bugs, which really sucked. So like one of the housemates was staying at my house and like the other, you know, two friends were like cleaning up and like all this stuff. And so all this news came and we were like, you know what, like if any of us have it, like all of us do, and why don't we just form a team? Okay. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> so for several, like for about six months, these were the only humans I saw. Um, they, they, we had like, we had like pod headquarters East and like then my place, like pod headquarters West. <laughs> like, <laughs> <it was> like, <laughs> I love, I know, I know it's a privilege that we were able to have fun with it, yes. but I'm so happy we were able to have fun with it. <laughs> like, that was a thing where like, is this like apocalypse summer camp? Like, we were just like, this is so very strange. <laughs> like, So my dad turned 60 in the pandemic. Oh my God. I mean, stepmom threw him a surprise Zoom birthday party. Oh, where we all had sci-fi backgrounds, but my computer, <laughs> my computer at the time was very old and it wasn't time to replace it. So, um, I, I couldn't have a background. So I put up a black backdrop and taped uh-huh. a note to it that said hollow deck closed for prepares, <laughs> like a whole bunch of numbers. Uh, <laughs> Like it was, you know, it was, it was a complete nightmare, but also like, there were all these moments where it's like, and that, that wasn't so bad. That's, that's, oh my God, that, that's amazing. Like, yes, just, I was just like, oh my God, I have so many stories uh, that I want to share. And I still reflect on the incredible amount of privilege that we had to be able to all take care of each other and all you know, follow the guidelines of staying at home. And it was because of the people who then were incurring more risk that we were able to do that. Like, and that still like boggles my mind that we don't take care of the people who are enabling other people to stay safe. I'm like, ha- but mm. yeah, like, uh, it's the, I'm, I'm resigned to the fact that generally on mass, we aren't particularly good at caring yeah um but it is also illogical right if if the people doing the necessary jobs are not protected and able to do their jobs then we have structural problems right and if the job isn't attractive enough for them and they refuse to do the job 
again, structural problems. And so it's like, okay, so like, regardless of like feelings and morality, just can we logically? (laughs) Yeah, there's no no, like dimension on which this actually makes sense. Yeah, like like if the first two that like we wish were the deciding factor don't work, then like... (laughs) (laughs) At least the self-preservation factor of realizing that we're in this together should kick in. Yeah. Um, That's, yeah, I, this whole time, like I've been... I've been looking for nonprofits that help people because of like, I think about it, I was talking to someone earlier in, in the pandemic about like how like in a D&D party, like everyone kind of has like their thing. Um, and like, I'm definitely like the sorceress with allergies, like hiding somewhere that mm. I just like, you know, magic from afar, dispense resource, do weird shit, but I am not the tank. I like my dump stat is constitution it's like I am very small and very strong um but could be felled by like a grain of quinoa like why am I allergic to quinoa what a dumb thing to be allergic to it's like it's it's like you don't want me out there like tanking you want me like figuring out where to like you know like squirrel resources and like connect things and like stuff like that I am aggressively donating to nonprofits that help people (laughs) (laughs) yes yes It's, you know, it's interesting that you were talking about, I reflected on that you were talking about like giving advice. Do people come to you for advice about how to do all the things that you do? Like, do people come to you being like, how do I start this? How do I be a writer? How do I like, is that something that comes across your, your advice column desk? Um, you know, the, the column my editor doesn't assign it if it doesn't like kind of have something to do with sex or relationships. Mm -hmm. And I don't recall if I've addressed, um, so you want to work in pornography in the column, but I have addressed uh, recently someone whose daughter was working as a sex worker and they were Mm. concerned. Um, mostly recently what I get as far as like you know coming in on public dms is like young men young Mm. cis men who want to work in porn Mm. um I don't want to deal with that (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I'm just like, look, read Tyler Knight's biography, right? You are a cis man. Read the memoir of a cis man who worked in porn. Yes. Tell me if that seems like a fun job for you. And then go ask some cis male porn star, but not Tyler because he's retired and shouldn't have to field those sorts of questions yeah anymore yeah like that's why he wrote the book go go ask someone else after you read the book (laughs) yeah um and ask ask someone who's working now but began working in the past couple of years Mm. right because like even even for a prospective female performer who is similar to me Mm mm-hmm the way that I got into pornography and the way that pornography was 
15 years, 14 years, uh, over I'm a decade ago. Yes, continue. <laughs> over a decade ago. It is different now, yeah. right? So, you know, asking someone who's been working for 10 years how they got their job isn't really going to give you great information. Right. And, you know, I, we, I had this like 18 plus, uh, all multimedia, including video project, um, that had like everything from like a Luna Melbro profile on trans activist, Kyandora show and her organization glitz. Wow. Um, through to like, you know, like episodes of around the world in 80 ways. Yeah. Um, and it, um, you can't get the articles to get the traction when they're on a porn site. <laughs> like it's just, it's not, it's not working. Um, so we just right. released the last issue in January and we're going to figure out how to do like a safe for work thing with mm. the same company. Mm. Um, but that'll, that'll be like probably several months. Right. Um, right. And I'm not sure I'll ever perform or produce a porn video again. And so it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna give this random person a job because there right. is no job. Right. But also, even if I was hiring, um, the fact that they came to me. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, exercising the thinking to like figure out like, oh, like I should ask like a male performer. Right. Um, that 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 doesn't make me feel like they're gonna like, you know, take direction on set well and like approach things with like nuance. Um, yeah, it's kind of like go to the what popped in my brain was like, go to the go to the person who not as similar to you, but and like then what popped in my head was like representation is obviously really important because it's like when you see someone that's like you doing something you want to do, like go to go to that person. And though of course mm -hmm. you can learn from people who aren't like you who are doing the same thing, it's like you might have slightly more luck if you if you go to the person that like you're like, okay, this is kind of my lane in this. Why don't I ask someone like in my lane? Yeah, and it's the it's the in the lane thing, right? Yeah. So like if you if you want to do BDSM scenes, talk to a performer who does BDSM scenes. Also, right. like it's the the gender thing, but also the like the different kind of categories. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Because like I I do happen to know if you want to do stuff for kink.com, you go on their website, there's an application form. Mm -hmm. There's also transparency about what people get paid. Um, you know, so like I can like, you know, start people off in a direction on that one. Right. But like, right. like really like Mona Wales is the person to talk to or, you know, someone. Um, right, right. It's almost like you were talking about the whole like directing to like the appropriate resource where you're just like, oh, this might not be for me to help you with, but here, here's wonderful people to help you with this. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Go forth. Um, go forth and talk to them. 
actually at uh, at porn conventions, sometimes um, people would express a desire that I had no DVDs to fulfill it with. Um, and I, it was a fun game for me to like, think of like who I could send them to. Yeah. I would have like, someone would be like, you know, like, Stoy, I love you, but like the plots are a thing. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, we do, we do try, but we get like basically like six takes per uh, scene. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so we can't, we can't get very much done. Um, do you, do you have a like funny? Oh, you like funny. Okay, great. Um, if you go three rows over and take a left, you'll find Joanna angel. She makes really funny porn. Yeah. So you should like hang out with her. Um, that's fantastic I also love the direction of like I just imagine you're like okay so in aisle seven (laughs) head that way (laughs) hang a right (laughs) if if it could if I could like start like some like I don't know service where you know I I can direct people to books and mm-hmm. I can think, I can think of one person who like really loves porn videos and watches a lot of them and they could direct people to porn videos. Like it'd be like, okay, just like in like five paragraphs responding to five different prompts, like tell <laughs> us what you like and then we'll go from there. Oh my God. That reminds me of like the psychology today of porn. That's genius. Because if things are tagged correctly, you can find people and things that you like. But if there's not an aggregate for it that actually like, you know, because obviously like I don't, I wouldn't want to direct anybody to like Pornhub because I'm like, no, you don't want to exploit the people that you're getting the content from. But if something was tagged similarly to that, where it's like people could actually find it, I was like, ooh, I like this. Same with you, by the way, my brain likes to generate ideas. And then I'm just like, ha I will hand this to someone else to, to make it follow through organized things. <laughs> yes yeah (laughs) a lot of it is like I'm going to say this in an interview and maybe someone else will do it I'll be able to just use the service Um, that um I don't know if you have fallen into what I didn't realize for a long time was the ADHD trap because I was not diagnosed until later despite being so blatantly ADHD that it's bizarre um it was the whole thing, but you're so smart. And I'm just like, no, no, that's, that's not the problem. It's the bees, the, the constant bees in my head. Um, like, can we sort those out where it's like, I don't know if you've done this, where it's like, I have like a new business idea, like every five minutes. And then I try to do all of those businesses at the same time. It's a problem. It, it is a problem. Um, I, have gotten a lot better at just like letting things go. Um, And it's, I like, I used to try and juggle things 
And then they would all happen at exactly the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like, it's, I've gotten better at it in the past few years, but it's still hard for me not to be doing something. Mm. So I do this like actively waiting while playing civilization thing. <laughs> Where it's like, there is nothing to be done and I cannot start a new thing because otherwise I'll be stretched too thin at a certain point. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Um, I am protecting the project by um, giving myself permission to just like screw around with a computer game. Oh my God. That's, I think that's so important to give yourself permission to not do stuff, but like to still keep yourself occupied enough that it won't then take away from the project. Like that's a great way to put it. And that is something I personally will keep in mind when I, it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, of course I could fill this hour by completely just like launching this new idea that just occurred to me. And it's like, maybe I shouldn't uh, so that I can protect the ideas that are already out there and the products that are already out there and redirect that attention to like, something like that where I'm just like hmm because all the time I'm like oh I should just read during that time but then I'll be reading and being like am I reading hard enough (laughs) (laughs) it's also like sometimes sometimes reading is good um you know sometimes halfway through a Civ game I'm like I can't fucking take it anymore (laughs) Um, it's like whatever's whatever's working right then um but definitely yeah, giving ourselves space for things to like come up, right? Yes. Yes. I love that. I wanted to thank you. You've been so generous with your time today. Um, it was a really fun conversation. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode.